Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's the Nightcap. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. <laughs> that is uh, that's Old Town Road, actually, by Lil Nas and uh, Billy uh, Ray Cyrus. No, that's not. That's Don Cherry. It's actually got a pretty good beat to it, though. Kind of. All right. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Nightcap. Jody Biasi hanging out with you for another hour here. On WGR, we started to get into the draft and Josh Allen a little bit at the end of that segment. I do want to get back to hockey uh, before we get out of here tonight. Um, but I do want to play back uh, our interview of the day, which I think is from Mark Ludwig. Ah, Mark Ludwizik. It's a tough name. Give me a break. There's some Z's and Z's all in a row there. Mark Ludwizik, and he was on with Howard and Jeremy earlier today. Uh, not just on the draft, but also where this Bills roster is at. Uh, a little bit on Mitch Morse as well, and the idea of trading up and trading down, which uh, which we talked a lot about in the end of the uh, last segment too. So here is Mark Ludwizik with Howard and Jeremy from this morning. We are going to talk more Bills football uh, by going to our Western Hotline, and Mark Ludwizik will join us, editor of Bills Digest, which you can get at Wegman's Tops or online, and you can read up on there. Their draft coverage as well. Mark, it's Howard and Jeremy. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Is this uh, phase one or four, or where are we at? Uh, this is a well. It's it can't be phase one because we're actually going to ask you questions and you have to answer them. Ah, oh, okay. I, I guess I'll try. If it was phase one, you'd have to. You wouldn't be able to answer the questions. <laughs> I so, didn't launch snap to anybody though, so don't worry. That's about that. why well, I I, I I would hate to violate the NFL rules. Um, you've been a busy guy. <clears throat> you've been doing a lot of writing this offseason uh, through free agency with all the offseason signings, Mark. Before we get to the draft, let me kind of get your thoughts on that as well. Since the, the theme of the offseason was overhaul the offense, let's start up front on the offensive line. Uh, your thoughts on Mitch Morse, and is there anybody else you would look at it that signed on the line you'd say, yeah, we know Morse is starting. Anybody else you feel good about in the group? Honestly, I mean, I, I like the whole group. I, I like Buffalo's whole approach this offseason. I, I, I'd be surprised if uh, a majority of the other offensive linemen that they signed didn't start. I, I think, as we know, at, at both the offensive line and a wide receiver, I, I thought it was just imperative to add, at the very least, 
a whole lot of more bodies there, just at least people that were NFL professionals. Because I think when you look back at that offensive line last year, of course it was makeshift because of how late some of the changes happened there with uh, you know Eric Wood and Richie Antonino and all that. But they just at least needed some professionals that they could count on there. And while the others outside of Mitch Morse might not be as, as well known as him and you know as highly touted, at least they've played in the NFL before. <laughs> at least they're legit guys. You know, they're not fourth and fifth round rookies that you're just, you know, hoping against, the, you know, a hope that maybe you get something from them. At least these guys have, have proven that at least they're in the league. And, I mean, maybe this is a low bar, but, you know, at least they're players that have, have done something before. And I, I just think they needed a whole lot of those players on the offensive line, a whole lot of those players, a wide receiver, and, Honestly, I think that was the correct approach for Brandon Bean to take. Just add as many numbers as you can there and go on. Do you think the idea of the offensive line, I'll tie in the draft here, Mark, because Brandon Bean was asked yesterday, essentially, with all the guys you signed on the offensive line, would it preclude you? For, does it mean you're not going there in round one? And he basically said no and reiterated once again, we're taking the best player available. Could you see an offensive lineman being that pick at nine? I don't know if I see it at nine. I, I, I don't know if the, the value is there in this draft, um, you know, early at offensive tackle. So I could see it happening later, though. I, I think the three positions that the Bills addressed in free agency, offensive line, receiver, tight end, they still could use an elite player at either, uh, you know, a number one receiver or at left tackle or uh, as a number one tight end. So, you know, if there is, that next left tackle there, maybe later in the first round, maybe you trade down, uh, maybe trade up from the second round. I could see that happening there. Same thing at receiver. I mean, for all the improvements that they made at that position, boy, they could still use an Eric Moulds type there. You know, a, a, a true, legit number one weapon there. Same at tight end. I, I know it's not maybe the you know trendy thing to do to take a tight end in the top ten, I'm sure a lot of fans would have some questions about that, but you know, if you can get, uh, you know, a future, you know, potentially Tony Gonzalez or, or somebody like that, you know, we're talking elite, elite, elite tight end. I, I think you'd do it. So I, I think they did what they needed to do in free agency at those positions. But if they can get an elite guy there, go for it. Having said all of that, you can also, I'm sure, Mark, make a case. You know, with the, the pass rush not producing much in terms of sacks last year, with Kyle Williams' retirement, uh, with the contract situations for Jerry Hughes and Shaq Lawson, you can easily, right, see a scenario where they go best defensive lineman available with that first pick. Yeah, I, I think the smart money right now, you know, the, the smart odds, if you're a betting man, I, I, I think it is, you know, going to be a defensive lineman. I, I think Buffalo made so many moves on the offensive side of the ball. Don't forget that, that Sean McDermott is a defensive head coach, and I, I, I still think they need that replacement for Kyle Williams there. Mm-hmm. And it happens to be a top-heavy draft on the defensive line. So I think the value might be there at number nine on the defensive line, and honestly, it, it really wouldn't surprise me if the Bills go there. Is, we've hit on a lot of spots. Is there a, a specific guy, or is there? do you approach the draft? Is there a guy you love or a position you'd really like to see them address right off the bat? You know, it's a good question. I mean, a lot of people will say Ed Oliver. I don't know if he's 
maybe necessarily as ready to step in uh, on day one as some people might think. But um, I don't know. I, I think there would be something exciting about the Bills maybe going against what conventional wisdom is, which would be taking a defensive tackle or, or edge at number nine. And, I mean, if they if they took one of those two tight ends, you know, it would it'd be different, you know. So, and I mean, when look at Bill's history, when have they ever had an elite tight end like that at the position? Mm-hmm. They, they they never had. I mean, right. you might need to go to Ernie Warlock, you know, in the first you know ten years of the Bills franchise for one of those players. They never seem to go that route. They always seem to go the the safe route, the the Charles Clay, the Mark Campbell, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So. I think with all the weapons you're amassing on offense, uh, you know, and, and Josh Allen's promise after a promising rookie year, I think an elite tight end, you know, if you're hoping to maybe get that Jeremy Shockey type of guy, I think it'd be at least interesting and, and uh, you know, a, a path that they really haven't taken often in their history. Mark Ludwig with us from Bill's Digest on our West Star Hotline. One of the other things I want to ask you about is trading. Uh, which Brandon Bean has done. He has, you know, he's made a number of moves since he took over as GM. Do you uh, would you prefer stay at nine? A lot of people talk about trading down, but I also wanted to throw in a trade up scenario because as much as we've identified pass rush as as one of their areas of need, I brought this up with Sal Mark. I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Is it? I don't expect they'll trade up, uh, but they have ten picks. They made a lot of signings in free agency. Is it possible you could see whether it's Bosa Falls or Josh Allen or Quinnen Williams, somebody is there maybe outside of the top three. Do you think there's a scenario where Bean trades up to four or five, wherever he has to go, gives up assets to go get the the guy they believe is really going to help their pass rush? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is really, you know, it's possible, maybe not probable, but possible. Um, it, just when you look at the nature of this top ten in the draft, if they – really, truly think that they need to grab, say, you know, an interior defensive lineman or something like that with that first-round pick, even more than we think that they might need to do it. If, if, if that's their, you know, number one, number two, number three priority, and they don't want a tight end, they don't want an offensive shackle there, they don't want to reach for a receiver, and they feel that it's getting thin, I, that, I think that's the scenario where they could move up a few spots and try and take that, you know, interior defensive lineman. Get in a little publicity for uh, for Bill's Digest and where folks can get a hold of a copy. Sure. Uh, pre-draft issues out now. Uh, Wedman's uh, is probably the most popular place to get it around these parts. Uh, online at iTunes or Madster is also the way to go. And our, our post-draft issue normally comes out a week after the draft. It's one of our most uh, popular of the year, so... I can recommend that. All right. Well, thank you for coming on, Mark, and I will probably not see you till training camp. So <laughs> if, if, if that's the case, enjoy your spring and summer. Hey, you too, Dave. Anytime. There he is, Mark Ludwig from Bill's Digest with Howard and Jeremy this morning. If you're looking for more draft content, go on demand at WGR550.com. Benjamin Solak from the Draft Network. He was on with uh, the afternoon guys today. I thought that was a super good interview, so check that out on our website. I'm going to take a time out a little bit early here. We're going to get back into hockey next. We found Paul Hamilton. He's alive and well, and he's coming on the nightcap next. So stay tuned. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. It's Paul Hamilton. I had a little thing with Paul the other night in Winnipeg, though. We went to dinner, right? And we got talking about Winnipeg being, uh, in the wintertime, it's so cold. In the summertime, it's just bugs, bugs, bugs. And then he's like, bugs? And we go, yeah, mosquitoes out here are crazy. And he goes, like the mosquitoes that bite you? No, Paul. 
Like we're like, no, the ones that lick your face and make you laugh and, and you lay down. That's what he asked us. The house the pet mosquitoes you that bite you. Right. Right. I didn't know there was different ones. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Paul Hamilton's on the Wester Hotline. We'll get to him in just one second. Quick NHL playoff scoring update for you. The Blue Jackets have taken a 3-1 to lead on Tampa. They're, of course, going for the sweep. And the Islanders have taken a 2-1 lead on Pittsburgh. They, as well, going for the sweep. NHL playoff scoring update brought to you by Fiegel and Carr, your border attorneys. Paul Hamilton joins now on the nightcap. Paul, we found you. How's everything? Yeah. I apologize for today. I don't know what... <laughs> It's what my problem is today, if I, uh, well, first time I was speeding, uh, <laughs> so that uh, that kind Speed of uh, derailed me a little bit. So, uh, yeah, that's the first time on my way to come on the air uh, I wound up being uh, pulled over. Well, at least we found you and we got you on now, and uh, you had your piece up on WGR550.com talking about the uh, Sabre coach search, and I'm in an interesting place with that right now. Like, it doesn't really, it, it part is because there's really no, like none of the TSN guys or any of the national guys have been reporting any uh, names connected to the Sabers. Like, where do you think they are right now? Like, you wrote a lot about Chris Taylor and uh, veteran coaches. Like, Chris Taylor at this point, I think would have to be leader in the clubhouse, just because I don't really know if we have another name that you would think is likely. Yeah, you know, I wonder how much Bottrell was th- is thinking about maybe the college ranks and Scott Sandlin from Minnesota Duluth. I mean, this is a coach that has won the last two Frozen Fours. Uh, he's been in the Frozen Four three years in a row. These are things that aren't done very often. He's been in five Frozen Fours and won three of them in his career. At, at uh, So, you know, is he a coach that maybe could come up and uh, be successful in the National Hockey League level? Uh, Hackstall from North Dakota, he, he wasn't – I mean, he was – a little mm. bit successful, I suppose. He made the playoffs. He made the yeah. playoffs. His record wasn't awful, but it wasn't great either. It wasn't good enough for the Flyers, and he wound up getting fired. You remember Herb Brooks when he came and coached <laughs> the New York Rangers? Uh, that didn't go real well. The The one that did, is before your time, but Bob Johnson, you yep. know, when he came and coached the Pittsburgh Penguins, he was an icon at the University of Wisconsin. And then he got into you know into the pro ranks and and coached the Pittsburgh Penguins. He was successful at it. Um, so I'm just you know what, Joe? I don't know how you feel about these veteran NHL coaches that are available, but Hackstall, no, I'm I, none of the names. No. Michelle Terrian, Kirk Muller, Kevin Deneen. Todd Richards, Mike Yao, do any of those names get your blood no. boiling? Uh, to me, definitely not. And like I, I was never really, I was never in the mood for them to do that anyway. Like go with the retread veteran coach that has like some sort of resume behind him. I would have been on board with it, or I would like the idea if it would have been like one of those top guys, like Quenville, obviously, even McClellan to a lesser extent. But yeah, like the guys out there now. Um, no, I agree with you. Like they are almost like the middle of the road at best like retried coaches, it's not like they'd be going out and landing some guy who has two, three Stanley Cup rings on his fingers. And even the other guys, you got to remember, these. this is a young team. I mean, guys are going to be coming into the lineup, aren't even here yet, like Asplund has a good chance, Olofsson I think for sure, Pilot will be back. You've already got a youngster like Darlene. I still think Eichel and Reinhardt are young players. I still consider them young players mm-hmm. uh, along the way. And, and C.J. Smith is a possibility, too. So, I mean, 
that's not the type of team that Joel Quenville coaches. If you talk to people in Chicago, he doesn't coach. He gets he coaches the team once it's set. Once those guys I just mentioned have been in the league for a little bit and established themselves, now Quenville's ready to coach your team. Um, same thing mm-hmm. with Vigno. Elaine yep. Vigno, why was he fired by the New York Rangers? Because they went young and all their young players digressed. Yep. He hates playing young players. That's not a coach for the Sabres. Maybe McClellan. I, I I can't lay a lot of what happened at Edmonton at him with the GM that he had. Right. You know, so of the three, he might have been the best fit, but I don't. I, I could have lived with him. Yeah. I mean, of, of the three, I, I could have lived with him, but that's about what I'm looking at. It's like, well, I'm going to kind of live with him, and he's a coach that's just going to get you so far. And you know, he never had his playoff success with the. Sharks, after some great regular season success, but it eventually cost him his job because they couldn't do anything in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, even those guys, I just didn't don't think it was. Lindy Ruff is another one they bring up. First of all, I'm not even sure Lindy Ruff wants to be a head coach anymore. He's quite content as an assistant with the New York Rangers. And did he have success in Dallas? I don't think so. You know, it didn't go well in Dallas, and he was let go. Um, the end in Buffalo, yep. it really didn't go well. I mean, you probably got to go back to just a little bit after the Briere and Drury left for the Lindy Ruff years to be something that, you know, you'd be excited about. So why none of that really ever worked. And people want to keep bringing back, you know, Lindy Ruff and all the Jason Pominville and Thomas Vanek and Yep. No, I mean, <laughs> Miller, it's like we already did all that. Let's do something new. Right. Lindy did have the one year in Dallas where he made round two, but otherwise I'd agree with you. Like the other three years weren't anything to write home about. Let me let me ask you specifically about him because, like you said, like people want to bring back like the nostalgia guy, and he has, I like, sitting here, like I'm screening calls for Mike and Chris, and, like, I'll tell you right up front, like he is the guy we get the most calls on, the most texts on the most tweets on and a lot of that probably is because everybody knows who he is but another part of me too is thinking hey if they do want to go with the veteran coach because the only guy we know of that they were interested in if you uh, trust the reporting from uh, Bob McKenzie and those guys was Todd McClellan who is a veteran coach like you look at the top of the veteran coach list and you don't get very far I think before you do reach Lindy Ruff so like I would want to ask you like would they rule him out because he was a Sabres coach and it would be too much of like a nostalgia feel there? Or on vice versa, do you think they would even consider it even more because that would be a move that would probably make some fans happy? No, I don't think they're into it to make fans happy. Any GM that's trying to do his job to make fans happy is going to get fired very quickly. Um, sometimes you have to make unpopular decisions and you have to live by them. And well, the Ryan O'Reilly trade has been a very unpopular decision, and that's still up in the air whether that's going to work out or not. Um, you know, but sometimes you have to make those decisions. Evander Kane, for it wasn't Evander Kane wasn't traded because of his playing ability. He was traded because of all the outside things that come along with it, and um, they they just decided that he needed to move on. They didn't want him around the younger players, and. You know, so a trade was made for another another reason. So, no, and I don't know, just talking to people, Lindy Ruff has never said this to me, but I'm hearing that he's very happy as an assistant mm-hmm. coach with the Rangers. 
He's you know kind of winding down his coaching career. He's enjoying being an assistant coach. So I don't even know if he wants to be a head coach anymore. Right. Um, yeah, he actually stayed over in New York after they fired Vigneault, and he stuck on with uh, with David Quinn. And speaking of David Quinn, I want to circle back to Scott Sandel and the Minnesota Duluth coach for a second here because I saw today he got named – uh, head coach of the U.S. So World Junior Team for 2020, and that made me think of David Quinn, who got named the coach of the U.S. World Junior Team last season, but of course he never ended up doing that because he was the Rangers coach, and he of course got hired because he was the top college guy. So like, how, how much of a stomach do you think the Sabres would have for an idea like that? Like, It's, it's different to an extent. Like You mentioned a couple examples. Jim Montgomery, I know, is first year in Dallas coming from college, and they're in the playoffs, but Past that, there's not like a ton of success. Like, how willing do you think Jason Bottrell would be just going out and grabbing the top college guy as opposed to a veteran coach? Well, it's the, the jury's still out on Jim Montgomery, but I think I'm willing to say he's off to a good start. You know, uh, to make the playoffs with Dallas, and Dallas is doing well in the playoff series. Uh, you know, they 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 play a real defensive style. It's not a style that I think fans are going to really enjoy. But he's trying to win hockey games, and uh, there are a lot of coaches like that. Who try to, uh, Barry Trotz is trying to win hockey games. He's not real concerned with uh, if fans enjoy watching it. But fans enjoy watching winning. That's mm-hmm. that's one thing they enjoy. So I would hope he would be somebody that they would be thinking about. And sure, uh, sure they're not going to interview him while the Frozen Four is still going on, but they certainly could have had a meeting with him uh, after – you know, if they wanted to talk to him right, after, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is a guy who is good, obviously good with younger players. He gets the most out of them. He's twenty-one and six in the NCAA tournament and seven and two in the Frozen Four. So, I mean, he takes those young kids and molds them and gets them to play a winning way. And um, you know, I, I, that's that's what I think intrigues. Well, I, a tweeter. I, he's not in my article. But a tweeter had an interesting uh, idea, too. Dale Howarchuk has been a very um, successful coach in the OHL and junior. And, uh, you know, then again, we're talking about a former Sabre. But if you wanted to go that route, you know, maybe Dale Howarchuk might be uh, somebody that you would consider, too. A guy who is familiar with Buffalo but yet has been a successful coach in junior. So I I thought that was a... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, uh, uh, off the book type of a, uh, a thought process by a fan that uh, I think uh, is you know out of the box a little bit, but something to think about, especially when you're thinking about uh, the coaches we've been talking about. Right. I, I like that idea even just because it's like it's different, and especially in the NHL, it seems like the same forty guys are getting the same thirty jobs over and over and over, and. Like, hockey's not football. Football, you only have a couple avenues to grab coaches from college, someone else's coordinator or former head coach. Like, hockey, you've got international coaches overseas. You've got juniors. You've got AHL. Um, and it just seems like we're doing the same thing over and over. Like, I like the idea of that. Let me let me trans- transition that into the idea of a European, European coach because a lot of people are mentioning Ricard Gronberg as an idea they like. I don't really know how realistic that is. Obviously, um... Saw a story that there hasn't been a European head coach in the NHL for almost twenty years. So I don't even know if that would be under consideration. Like what do you think what do you think of that idea? Like you're in the locker room, especially more than than me. Like how much do you think culture and even language, I know Gronberg speaks English, but like how much would that affect 
or how much does that affect the fact that like no European coaches would even get a look like this? Well, Gronberg definitely is leaving the Swedish national team. This is his last year. You yeah. know, they announced that a long time ago. So he is going to be available. Um, I would just wonder if the likes of Eichel and Reinhardt and Ristolainen and Bogosian would be saying, really, are we bringing in a coach to, to, to be Darlene's caddy and right. Pilot's caddy and Olison's caddy? You know, and even though I think that coach would deserve respect, I would wonder if he would get it. You know, just because, you know, what are these guys thinking? It's like, really, we're going to bring in a coach just for Darlene? Why don't we just make him an assistant and he can hang out with Darlene that way or something? So I worry about that part of it um, if they were to do something like that. Right. Paul Hamilton on the Wester Hotlines for a couple more minutes here. Paul, before you get out of here, I wanted to ask you about Ristolainen. It's not about the coaches, but listen to you a lot over the years on Ristolainen. I think I get a pretty good sense of where you're at with him, but I want to narrow it down a little bit more because it seems that heading into the offseason, like he is definitely the most talked about guy when anyone wants to talk about a trade. I mean, he's got value, he's not untouchable, and things have certainly not gone well with him here over the course of his career. Now, I might differ from you a little bit. I think I'm in a position sitting here today where I like the idea of trading him if I'm getting back like a top six four. Like if I'm getting my second line center some way, somehow by trading Ristolainen, then I'm in for that. But I'm not really in a position where I just want to trade him because of change of scenery and just do it for picks and prospects. Like where do you land on that? Are you in a position where you think like they just need to move on and like this needs to be over? Or are you only thinking about this in like a specific circumstance for what they're getting? It has to be good picks and prospects, but I do think, you know, him, Larson, Gergensen's, it's kind of like the Lindy Ruff syndrome. Yeah. Okay, we've done that. All they've done is lose here. I think enough is enough. It's time to turn the page on these guys, and they may be successful somewhere else. You know, I use Tampa as an example. I mean, Ristolainen were to go to Tampa and play on the third pair, he'd probably be very good. You know, yeah. I, I, I think uh, – He'd do well there. And the problem with him is he does tantalize you. He'll play 10 really good games in a row and then show you that he is a number one defenseman. I mean, he'll be up in the rush. He'll be skating. He'll be nasty in front of the net. He'll be good in the corners winning battles. His breakouts are, are perfect. you know. And he'll, he'll put together a bunch of games. Then he'll put together 20 where you're sitting there shaking your head. Go, what is he doing? Why is he chasing that guy in the corner? Why is he doing this? Why is he doing that? And I just don't think the hockey IQ is, is, is as high as it needs to be with him. And I think that's what holds him back. That, uh, that's what holds him back from being a very good number one defenseman, which he has the talent to do, but just can't seem to put it together under numerous coaches. It's not just like one coach hasn't been able to get through to him. And Tampa scored, by the way. Uh, so they're, they're back into All right, this they're game. back. But, uh, yeah, so it's – it's. I just think it's time. And, but I think you can get a good trade. It, and if it's if the picks are the right picks, no. Am I going to do like a, a third, a fourth, and a fifth-round pick right. for him? No. That's not, not the trade. It's got to be a good trade, I, I think, to do it. But I think they can find a good trade for him. I, I just don't think it's just going to be, well, you know, like the Hurricanes wanting to get rid of Skinner. And look at the horrendous right. trade yeah. they made just to get no, that's not the trade I'm thinking of or looking at 
but I do think he needs to move on. I, I, I don't think he's going to fulfill the role. Right now they can't play him as a third-pair D or a second-pair D, and he's not really a, a first-pair D because he doesn't process the game well enough. So I, I just think it's better to, to move him on. It, Quick, quick follow up to that because like he, if he does, if they do trade him, like someone does have to take those minutes. Like, do you think Darlene, from what you saw by the end of last season, obviously it's a whole off season that you would think he's going to be working out a lot, getting trying to get bigger. Um, Darlene, like you think, you venture to guess if he would be ready for the, that level of minutes next year, and if not, maybe so, like who else would be ready for that? Well, he was kind of on his way. I mean, there were nights he was putting in twenty five minutes as a rookie, mm-hmm. so I think he's getting there, but. You know, on, on the right side, who's it going to be? Well, it's going to be Bogosian. It's going to be Montour, somebody Montour, like that, right. unless they unless they trade for somebody. I, I keep in. forgetting Montour is even here because he kind of got here once everything was un, unraveling. But like that—that's right. Like that's the guy that would get twenty plus minutes probably in a similar role. And that's when people are ripping Bottrell, you know, and he deserves to be ripped at times. Some of the trades he made have been horrendous, but he's made some good ones too. And depending on whether the Montour trade, if, if if the Ducks wind up getting the Sharks pick or the Blues pick, well, that can become part of the Blues trade then. And then it's Gooley and O'Reilly for Montour, Thompson, and the second-round pick. You know, that, and quite honestly, you know, it's, it's, that pick was going to be lower in the round. I think if you get a Montour with that pick, if you pick somebody and he became Montour, I think you have a successful number one pick. So I, I think, you know, that's that's going to be a value, even if mm-hmm. it is the Sharks' number one pick or the Blues. They're both going to be lower. I don't, you know, I think you a lot of those lower first-rounders aren't as good as Montour. Right. So, um, you know, there, there have been some good trades. There have been some bad ones, definitely. But um, as far as, you know, playing those minutes all the time, Montour did have a game where he was close to 30 minutes when, when Ristolainen was hurt. I, he didn't kill him out there, but I'm not willing to sit here and say, well, he is a number one defenseman. I think they'd still be in the hunt that, but you would hope if Ristolainen is no longer here to be your number one defenseman, you've, you've filled a hole at center. Right. And uh, if you can fill a hole at st- the hole at center and play middle stat properly, then I think, uh, you, you know, I, I think you're doing fine. Right on. All right, Paul, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time out at uh, this late hour. And uh, thank you for uh, for everything, and I appreciate uh, you jumping on here. Well, try, to keep your foot, for, try to keep your foot off the gas pedal a little bit. Yeah, I apologize for earlier. <laughs> yeah, no problem. All right, thanks, Paul. Take care. There he is, Paul Hamilton on the Wester Hotline. We'll take a time out here, and we'll... I want to give a quick playoff scoring update, and then I do want to get uh, back into the draft a little bit before we get out of here, about 20 more minutes. Here on the Nightcap, Jody Biasi on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. It's actually the last call here on the Nightcap. We're going to spend that with Sean McDermott in just a second. We have yet to play him from his press conference yesterday down at One Bills Drive. 3-2 Columbus over Tampa. The Lightning are facing elimination, facing a sweep. And they're in period number two. Um, and Columbus, no, the Lightning have just gone to the power play, so they have a chance there. Meanwhile, the Penguins and Islanders, Islanders lead 2-1 to one in that one. NHL Playoff Scoring Update brought to you by Fiegel and Carr, your border attorneys. All right, 
Let's get to Sean McDermott, Bills head coach, going into the 2019 season. He's going into his third season. Nine and seven year number one, six and ten year number two. Now, pressure's on to win. Here's Sean McDermott, first press conference of the season. At least when it comes to press conferences at one Bills drive. And here he is. Bills head coach Sean McDermott meeting with the media yesterday. These are the only two guys that were available, so everybody else left. Uh, no, and it says a lot. It really does in terms of where you know where we were last year, where we are now. Um, still a lot of work to do, but to have these two young men come out and the way they the way they um, carry themselves and and represent the Buffalo Bills, I think, um, means a lot to not only myself but to to our football team, to the organization, and then hopefully to the community. Yeah, he took it upon himself, um, and to be honest with you, I'm not even sure who all he reached out to. I've heard he did. I heard he did. Um, these guys have different ways, as you know, of communicating with one another through all different avenues. So. Here again, he did do that, though. Kind of what your reaction to this coach seeing this guy kind of take and want to bring everyone into Yeah, you know, as a as a young leader on our football team, to me it shows ownership, shows ownership and and a lot of pride in what we're doing and his role on our football team. Um, so, you know, it's a step in the right direction. I know you can't get on the field with these guys yet, but how excited are you um, for when you can to see Josh working with some of these new pieces that you not the offensive linemen specifically, but really the receivers to see how that might start shaping, shaping out? Yeah, so let's just take it one step at a time. Josh has his own work to do, you know, and a lot of work to do in that regard, and then to develop the rapport, Sal, with the with the receiving core, whether it's tight ends, wide outs, backs, um, that'll be important. And the more reps we get, hopefully the better we'll get. And so the great part about today is there's a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm around what we're doing and the new players we have in the building and added those players to the, to the players that were already here. Um, it's a nice mix, and it, it's, it's fun to watch guys find their routine this time of year and, and get to know one another. That's really what the what phase one for us is, uh, or a big piece of it is all about. For guys that may have played on, opposites, on opposite teams, now to be you know, side by side in the locker room and share stories, get to know one another, build that love for one another that uh, embodies all good football teams. Sean, you, mentioned, you mentioned as a follow-up to Sal, uh, you mentioned that obviously uh, Josh has his own work to do to develop to his second year, but what kind of statement does it make that, as an organization, you've surrounded him with so much potentially a, a whole new slew of starters uh, to surround him that you expect him to elevate to that level to where he's going to make all this investment pay off? Is that where, where does that rent? You know, how does that factor into your thinking with him? Well, I mean, I'm sure a number of the guys will be that were starters last year. You, you know, there's there's. They're going to start this year, so there's some there is some carryover. Um, those positions, whether they're, you're new or you've been here a year, two years, those positions are earned in terms of starting and who starts, who doesn't start. Uh, but with respect to Josh's development, it's that is important. His development on the field and off the field is is important. And this phase one allows us an opportunity to really go back and review and and start from scratch. And we talk about boulders. 
kind of a boulders and rocks and pebbles type of analogy in how we teach in our progression in our classroom. Right now is the time to go back and really master the boulders, the, the foundation of what we do offensively. And it's, it's neat to see the, the room in there that everyone's um, very eager to learn and go back and, and build that strong foundation. Sean, last we heard Josh up here, and he, he, he said, well, I'm, this is my first offseason at, at, for an NFL team. This was my first free agency going through the first. How do you set into perspective? You know, I mean, did you consult or, you know, just inform, talk to Josh about how all these changes and how this offseason should progress with him? Well, Brian, Brian and I spent a lot of time this offseason going back and, um, again, starting from scratch, um, taking inventory of what we did well, what we didn't do well, and same with the offensive staff, Brian and, and the offensive staff. So, um, you know, we really start from there today and we move forward one step at a time and, and putting Josh in position to develop, putting Josh in position to, uh, to succeed. So... Um, there's a lot that goes into that, and today's just the first the first step in that process. Sean, when you have so many new faces, drawing on your experience, what's the what's the key to? Because you have sometimes you have so many new faces, it's oversaturation. You have so many new guys. What's the key to bringing them together? Like, how do you determine you have the right people to do that? To bring them all and to be on the same page come July and August. Yeah, that's a big that's a big challenge. We have 17, I believe, 16, 17, 18 free agents uh, that were not here last season. So uh, at this point, right around you know, probably just less than half of the team is, is new to, to us and the Buffalo Bills organization. So uh, that, rep that presents a challenge. Um, there's been a lot of teams over the years that have put uh, you know, talent in the, in the locker room but haven't been able to develop that talent or bring them together, to your point. And so uh, we're going to have to find, number one, the challenges are on our players to get to know one another and for us to get to know them, and then also um, for us to do different things to try and build that team, that, that bond, that chemistry um, that so embodies good teams. John, looking ahead to the draft next week, with as active as you've been in free agency, is it as wide open as it seems in terms of which direction you guys might go in, in the first round? Yeah, and that's probably a better question for Brandon. I believe Brandon's going to speak as well. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just where we sit at nine, and I think, you know, I've been at nine before. There's a lot of good football players at nine, and, and I'm excited to get to next weekend. I really am. Uh, I know Brandon and his staff have put together or put in a lot of work, and uh, this is, as you know, a culmination of a, a year's worth of work, basically, uh, all, in, all in one weekend, all in three days for the most part. So it'll be another step for us as a, as a team, and, and I'm excited for it. How has your approach changed? Last year, I mean, the big focus was on quarterback, and that was a big uncertainty going into the draft. Um, I don't want to say you're more comfortable with this. How, well, okay, how, how much more comfortable might you be with this roster given that the quarterback situation is set and numerous other pieces have been kind of, you know, filled in? With, you, know, you have competitive depth at a lot of Yeah, I don't, I don't think you get comfortable in this league. Get comfortable in this league and get and get your butt kicked. So I'm not, I'm not into getting comfortable. Maybe comfort's not. Are you, are you, are you more? I don't know. Um, how do you view this roster going into this draft? Where is that? Having a quarterback, having these positions filled, as compared to where you were a year ago. Yeah, if, you know, like I said, these right now they're they're names on the paper. So what we've got to do is is find a way to bring these names that are on the paper, bring them to life, 
get them to love one another, get them to understand one another, understand what we're trying to get done. Um, certainly to your point, I know, John, that you know Josh coming in as number one this year is a lot easier than it was last year in terms of the fluidity of that uh, and how easy that is in terms of on at the outset. But there's a lot of work to get done, and uh, I can't, I can't um, say that enough, that, that we've got a lot of work to do. John, what's the final week? now in this draft, like for you and your involvement uh, with the board and things like that and conversations around the room. What's the, what was what's the first your part? involvement in, in what's your, you know, involvement and hands-on approach with this final week plus draft? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm sure every team's different. Um, so what, you know, and Brandon will detail a little bit more, I'm sure, but there's a lot of conversations that take place uh, between the scouts and, and with Joe and then, and then Brandon and the scouts and and in terms of my involvement, really it's conversations that take place with Brandon and myself um, as well as Joe. And we just you know, play the what-if game. What if this happens? What if that happens? Are we sure you know, this player, we, we're comfortable with him here? Are we sure this guy? You, know, you just go through different, um, different options that could come up so, so you're prepared. And no different really in a lot of ways to me when you, when you prepare for a game that – uh, it just so happens there's only one game, and that game is 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 in about a week and a half here. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity for us to improve our football team. There he is. There is Bills head coach Sean McDermott speaking at Phase One Bills offseason program. You can listen to Brandon Bean. You can listen to Josh Allen. You can listen to Tremaine Edmonds. All on demand at WGR550.com. Last playoff scoring update of the night before we get to NASCAR Live coming up next. The Islanders up 2-1 on the Penguins, and I didn't see what sparked it, but Robin Leonard and a lot of Penguins. Robin Leonard was right in the middle of what I would want to qualify as a skirmish in front of his net. And we know that that happened here, so that shouldn't surprise most of you. Um, Man, Crosby, right before that, down one. Kessel feeds him perfectly. He's got the whole... Net and Crosby hits the post. He's not clutch. Sorry, had to do it. All right, that's it for me tonight. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, like I said, we got NASCAR live coming up next. I'll be back tomorrow, and tomorrow is interesting. Tomorrow's gonna be good. Eight o'clock, and it NFL schedule release. I'll bring you live coverage of that here on WGR as the schedule's coming out. I'm hoping throughout the day, and this probably happened. This usually happens that there'll be leaks throughout the day. So we might actually have a pretty good sense of what's coming by the time we get to 8 o'clock. But the schedule officially comes out at 8, plus there could be leaks and everything. schedule comes out at 8. I'll be on the air. So we'll bring you live coverage of the NFL schedule release tomorrow here on the Nightcap on WGR at 8 o'clock. But I'll be on with you starting at 7. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Enjoy the rest of your night. NASCAR Live coming up next here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.